Welcome to episode 10 of the Angie Monroe podcast. I've got the lovely Janelle here. Um, Janelle, tell us a little bit about yourself. So what's your full name? What's your business name? And where you're from? And what you do? Yeah. Um, hi, my name's Janelle. I'm 24 years old. I am the owner of Granted Beauty. Um, I'm a nail technician and well luxury nail technician and a session manicurist i operate from uh within luton uh bedfordshire not kent bedfordshire um and um i primarily seem to be getting a lot of session work within um the london area as well Mm -hmm. okay uh, so for people that might not know what a luxury nail tech is, explain what that actually means for those that might not know, so they know the difference. Yeah, so I um, work by myself, for mm-hmm. starters, but um, also in terms of the luxury nail technician, it is where you book appointments, so it's not just a walk-in kind of type of salon, but also the appointments um, are a little bit longer because you take that little bit much more care in terms of your prep work, in terms of the overall service. Um, I do offer like hand massages and um, my clients sometimes opt to do the hand scrub. So it's really quite a salon type feel um, in terms of a nail service as well as um, the overall feel of the experience and the appointment as well so it's not just quick in and out just trying to get people in I want people to feel relaxed when they come to me it's important isn't it and it, when you're offering something that's a little bit more up class higher class it's important to do those added value treatments because then people feel valued right yeah especially now after um, coming out of lockdown and things like that where people are taking that little bit more time in terms of self-care, in terms of um, doing things that make them feel good, um, but also look good. So it's best mm-hmm. in both worlds. Your hands look great, your nails look amazing, and your hands feel amazing as well at the end. Apart from my nails, it's so embarrassing. I have a nail tech here and I look like I'm homeless. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> no judgment. That, that's thanks. So... Now we've had a little idea of like what you do. Let's peel it back. Let's go back to the beginning because you actually were born in Jamaica, right? Yeah, I was born in Jamaica. Um, I moved to England when I was three years old um, with my sister, who was one years old at the time. My parents were actually crazy to do that. Um, And my mum and my dad. And um, we moved straight to Luton, actually. We've been in Luton ever since. So, yeah, it's been. 21 22 years this year what made them move um so my dad actually got a job um at a school in Luton um but he was hired whilst he was in Jamaica um and my mum also got hired at a school in America um so it was kind of this decision of do they go separately mm-hmm. do we go to one or the other and it was that kind of decision where it was made but because we were such a young family like I was three my sister mm-hmm. was one they really didn't want to split us up so they thought about the best options in terms of bringing up a child and they actually decided to come to England mm-hmm. together um so that's how we ended up here yeah oh wow and so you're three years old some people have memories going back some don't do you I I don't have a lot of memories. What one thing I do remember 
was when we came to our little like Airbnb place. It was cold because it was August when we moved. And then it was, that was the first like winter mm-hmm. and we never really experienced cold weather like that. But I do genuinely remember that it was really, really cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of my first like memories, especially when I first went to school, was seeing snow for the first time. Um, I was running around like a crazy person. Um, and um, I was at school when it happened. So what my teacher was quite intrigued with the fact that like, I was experiencing it for the first time. Um, and hail was also, that I, I cried the first time I saw hail. It was quite scary. Um, you can imagine, bless yeah, you. I, I thought I was being attacked by God. Yeah, he's come out in his force. Um, but those are one of the few memories definitely the cold um <laughs> snow and hail um yeah and then making friends for like the first time um in a new country and then because as well I had already started speaking at that I point, was gonna say I had a very thick accent and people couldn't really understand me um I really don't have an accent I now. was gonna say your 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 English is so well spoken yeah it's so clean and so clean. and as well because with with in Jamaica they speak English but it's um they have um what they speak is called patois yeah i know it um so um a lot of the time especially with a jamaican accent we speak very very fast sometimes yeah. and it's sometimes really really hard to understand like for me now because i've lost my accent it really only comes out when i'm angry um <laughs> and yeah you will hear it when i'm angry um but i think i'm very um I've got the British accent side now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely in you. It's interesting because I'm the same in that being half Polish, um, but also originally from London, when I get angry, the Cockney comes out and it's like in full force. It's nothing like my telephone voice. It's hilarious. Yeah, and me and my sister talk about this all the time, our telephone voices, because um, we only really noticed it much more when we were older, especially because my dad, um, he has a telephone voice and he will refuse to admit it, but he does. <laughs> um, um, and um, hearing him switch from, because he still has his Jamaican accent, but not, it's not as strong um, as it used to be, but definitely when he's at home, it, it comes out more. So when I hear him answer the phone after he's been speaking to me, I'm thinking, who are you? Sources, <laughs> man. Yeah, um, but it's it's nice being able to switch between like the two and being able to like navigate that kind of world especially when you're coming into the world of work and things like that yeah um, it's it's a helpful skill to have absolutely so how how did you find growing up in the UK because I have a lot of different friends from various different sort of ethnicities and stuff mm. like that and I grew up around a cultural European background yeah how was it for you growing up having that background but then being based in the UK um yeah definitely was tricky um I won't say it was the easiest thing and I'm not going to say it's the hardest thing but it was definitely tricky um and as well being a black person Mm -hmm. there was like implications with that as well in terms of schooling and things being said to me that were extremely racist um but it's one of those things where I feel like for me, if I hadn't have gone through those things, especially at the age that I was, 
I don't think that I could be the way that I am now and learn how to cope and how to like push things to the side and how not to take things to heart Mm -hmm. because had I moved to this country when I was older I think I would have really really struggled with just knowing the type of person that I am Mm -hmm. um I think I would have really really struggled obviously things are a lot different now but um there are still things that happen to me that I just wish oh my goodness why are people like this Mm. and you know it's like the little underhand comments it's like little things what sort of what sort of things would you experience and I I only ask because obviously as I mentioned to you earlier I have nieces and nephews that are of color so to speak and like I get so protective of of them and I just I don't understand why anyone would want to be firstly mean to someone Mm. or discriminate against them due to their color or where they're from how did you know what sort of things did you experience and how did that make you feel yeah so one of the first things I actually do remember when we first moved here was um like I remember my mom telling me about the graffiti on our car um someone did that yeah wow Um, wow like profanities graffiti in red car black black graffiti um it was things like that. It was um, like when I first started working um, at the airport, um, when before this was before I became a nail tech, um, I remember I, was, I worked in a restaurant in the airport and I remember a little boy came up to me and he said, Mummy, she's dirty, and spat at me oh. and went to wipe my face. Um, Oh wow, that yeah, that awful. That really um got me. How old was you? Um, I was eighteen at the time, so still young, so, still learning. Yeah. Um, and the mother was extremely apologetic, but in the back of my mind, all the I thought was him that he's a mm. he was probably not even five years old. Learned habit. It was definitely mm. something that was learned, whether from. The, the her as a mother or a parent mm-hmm. or whether it was another adult that was around the child but that like my heart mm-hmm. like it broke that day yeah. and I think that was one of the first times I real really realized like especially that was like one of my first jobs mm-hmm. um I used to I was a math tutor for my sixth form before so that was my first like introduction to the world of work and I think that that really um in like solidified for me that oh my goodness things can be very very different for me um being out in the world of work being out in the world in general um and I might need to build up protections for myself mm-hmm. um I've had I mean even when I was at school like Kids used to call me gorilla lips because my lips were really big and things like that. And here, like, here, here they are putting filler in them just to make I their mean, lips like yours. Yeah, and it's like... She has the most amazing lips, guys, by the way. They are absolutely lush. Um, it's, it, it was definitely it was definitely hard. It was... Um, and I think the gorilla thing was the thing that kind of stuck with me because it's mm-hmm. happened a few times. Like, I'd be walking in the street and someone would scream it out of a moving car and drive away like it was funny 
or like I, again another incident that happened at the airport it was an older gentleman and um he like where I used to work is on the corner of um the line of shops in the right. airport and I was a hostess so I would stand at the front and I remember he like made eye contact with me and made the most like disgusted face and he like beelined towards me and he literally said I don't know why they've got gorillas working here and stormed off oh my god manager at the time heard and at that time when certain things are done because it can be taken as a criminal act yeah they can be stopped from boarding their plane oh really so yeah my manager at the time did actually get involved and report it um, to the because they we have our own police force that are on the airport, yeah. you know, the guys with the guns, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, all the cute little dogs, oh, um, the spaniels um, now, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and she did um, actually make what um, good about that because, yeah, I don't know what happened to him, I don't know if he was able to board his flight, but it's just it's like the most unthink, and I think as well, it's like the microaggressions mm-hmm. as I've grown up it's it's things like I I specifically remember a teacher at my school um it was a French teacher at my school and I bring this up because she actually came to the salon one day um but at the time I remember I was sat like you know the boards that they have in school when mm-hmm. they put like the like the fun like stuff like information and yes, stuff yes yes so she had all the vocab stuff on mm-hmm. the French board and um, I was at the back of the class. So I, I was like sat by the board and she came into the classroom and like looked really angry just in general. And then she said to me, get your greasy hair off of my board. You and your kind have no respect. I cried immediately. Um, Understandably. And then, like, I remember and I could hear as soon as I, I started crying I ran out of the classroom and as I'm running out I could hear there was two other black boys in my class at the time who were kind of like the cool boys in yeah. school and I didn't I wasn't close with them mm-hmm. one of them was in my tutor group but I wasn't like close with them and all I heard was I heard them stand up and like push their chairs out of the way and start berating her mm-hmm. like saying how dare you you can't say things like that and things but I was out of the classroom at this point. I was crying. I went to my head of year and I reported it. Good. And unfortunately, um, my head of year's like support person was the one that I spoke to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember her kind of making excuses was like, oh, I'm sure she didn't mean it in that way and things like that. How do you even mean that? Like, <laughs> And yeah, and then she had called the teacher down and the teacher refused to apologize to me and then years later I'm now working Mm -hmm. in a salon when I was hired at the time Mm -hmm. and um she came to get her toes done why and I kid you not I walked into the salon and I saw her sat down on the waiting chair and I I fell myself through and at this point I had actually told the girls about this story Mm -hmm. that had happened to me at school and um they didn't realize who she was because they didn't know and at the time this was a little bit after and I myself was ill at the time so I actually had a face mask on um so she didn't recognize you did she 
not at first. And then she did. And she literally put her finger in my face and went, I know you. In my face, my my best friend, Ellie, at the time, she, she was also working at the salon. And she looked at her and she literally gave, like, devil eyes. She was like, what the hell? And I'm sorry, after, but who the hell does this woman think she is? Right? Um, after I, I did her say If she's listening... We don't like you. No, we don't like you. We don't like you. Um, I, I was a fumbling mess. I was mm. dropping things on the floor. I was, I was all over the place. I did the service. I stayed as professional as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, she paid. She tipped me, which was nice. And then she left. Interesting and, pattern of behaviour. Hmm. Um, and then afterwards, I like, I broke down and I was like to the girls, I was like, um, I that was the woman and they were like what and I was like that was the French woman the French teacher that um like was really really like and it was not just that one incident by the way it was multiple incidents that had led up to this you would think that someone of her culture background yeah being that the whole kind of French British thing she would understand not to be so disrespectful Mm. so insulting and so rude yeah and I find that when when you are put in those situations and I'm like twice your age, right? So I've been in situations similar to you, not as like vile as what you've experienced, but I've had the other side where people don't know that I'm half Polish. And they will say things around you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. But they'd never guess in a month or Sunday that I was half Mm. or could speak it fluently or Mm. anything like that. So I understand. And you'd think another person that might have, like experience that sort mm. of discrimination would have would have got it and I think maybe what would have happened to you in that moment is you've gone back to that child uh, and you throw you freeze frame and then you go back to thinking in that moment but fair play to you for like holding your head high yeah. and dealing with that I mean when you've experienced things like that how like like now you now how 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 has that affected you and your life like mm. trusting people thinking are they mm. thinking certain things how does that affect you um i definitely think that i am more observant mm-hmm. um with things and i think um i'm definitely one to sounds bad but kind of like people watch mm-hmm. um more of a case of my own kind of protection um just seeing how other people interact with how people interact with others for starters mm-hmm. um and also listening when people say things about other people because i was definitely and i still am a person to give people the benefit of the doubt and mm-hmm. things like that um and not like take things from like what other people have said about people mm-hmm. i like to experience and interact with people myself and make my own kind of decisions and assumptions on that i'm exactly the same Um, like you but when there are certain things that have been said about a person um especially where i'm getting into this world of work where i am working like session work i'm working with like fashion houses i'm working with like studios and things like that if there are certain things that are being said about a person or certain accusations unfortunately that are out there I do have to be mindful of that mm-hmm. and I can't completely go into it with an open mind because I do have to protect myself mm-hmm. especially where I am 
most often times traveling by myself mm -hmm. or like for example fashion week where I'm going to Paris and flying by myself mm -hmm. um and I have to make sure that I take certain precautions um when interacting with new people um just because unfortunately there is that little bit of danger out there especially as a woman mm -hmm. traveling by herself but me as as a black person unfortunately I have been like physically hurt because of it as well so I I understand that I need to kind of have my own back mm -hmm. kind of yeah what happened to you when you were physically hurt um a boy at school um I actually didn't report this to the school at the time because I didn't really I didn't really want any trouble to be honest. Mm -hmm. But a boy at school had pushed me um quite hard, mind you, and I fell back and I hit the back of my head. Um and yeah, it was kind of said like it was under a ruse of while well, we were all trying to get to class, but it wasn't he had said some other things to me beforehand which is why I know it was um unfortunately racially and misogynistically mm -hmm. inclined at the time as I mean I was oh god like 13 14 at the time so at that particular time even things like misogyny I didn't really know what that was yeah and obviously people say things and you're just thinking oh they're making fun of my physical attributes I didn't really realize exactly the extent of the things that he was saying to me mm -hmm. were about um so yeah um I did I hit the back of my head I don't even think I told my parents about this <laughs> but um yeah it was it was quite bad it was quite bad um but yeah I'm sorry that you've had to experience that <laughs> it's, it's it's not a, a kind thing for any human being to be treated like that in any capacity mm. and you know you hold yourself so beautifully you're so well articulated so well thought out and people should be it should be an absolute privilege to be in your presence and you know don't don't let these people get you okay Thank i know you. it's hard yeah it is hard it's taken a lot of uh, internal kind of processing. work and yeah. processing and um, coming to kind mm -hmm. of, I guess, um, to understand that it's not me. Because mm -hmm. um, I think before I used to kind of blame myself, and then because of that, I did, I did get quite reserved. I was, I was quite a bubbly and open person. Um, and I think when I first went into uni, I definitely felt myself like withdraw mm -hmm. um, and like not do the things that would make me happy, mm -hmm. not do the things that um, I like to do, not things like not even like not eating properly and things like that. Um, where it come to now, I'm not taking care of myself properly. It's basically another. Um... One of my cousins is a therapist and she once said to me, when I went through a divorce, I was 
torturing myself by watching wedding DVDs in my wedding dress. Like that's like proper Bridget Jones <laughs> stuff right there. Bless you. And she said to me, um, what you're doing is a form of self-harm. And I didn't recognize that until that moment. I thought, what's the difference actually if you're being, if you're cutting, whether you're doing other things to self-harm, not eating, self-harm. Mm -hmm. So that really resonated with me. And it's interesting how things that happen to us affect us in different ways. And we then end up kind of hurting ourselves in a way because we don't feel worth mm. worthwhile, you know? No, yeah, I completely can get where that is coming from, mm. especially because I myself um, became, uh, I started cheerleading again. Okay. At that time when I first went to uni. So my fitness and my health were very important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I was like trying to, trying to live this life where it's like, everything's fine, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. But on the inside and when, it, when I came to, like, I only went to cheer. Like, I didn't even go to my lectures at that point. Mm. It got that bad. I only went to cheer and I only went to my cheer socials to keep up the facade that I was okay. And I really wasn't. It was just an exterior. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I get that. If, let's say, someone was listening to this podcast and they had received um, the, you know, unkind racial words, what would you advise them? I think especially if it's in a setting where it's either work or school, college, whatever, 110% record it. Report it, get it recorded. Because um, first and foremost, a lot of these places now, I think by law, they have to have policies in place to address these issues. And I think now that I'm older, now knowing that, I wish I would have reported mm. more because it, there would have been a, a record of it mm -hmm. there could have been something done to intervene mm -hmm. and to stop the, the repeat offenders mm -hmm. um but because i didn't report it there was no evidence of that um and i also think just know that you are not the problem you are not the issue you are unfortunately having the brunt of this but it's not an issue with you it's an issue with them because why is it in their mind okay to dislike a person because of the way they look because of the things they do um where they are not hurting anyone like i wasn't hurting anyone i was living my life i was trying to you know do school you know i was trying to get through school trying to do my gcses um and the fact that whether they felt threatened or whether they just didn't like the fact that I looked the way I look it's never an excuse and that's I think the third thing don't excuse the behavior oh they're older they don't really know they were in a different time no it's never an excuse and if you are in a position where it is a microaggression being held at you and you're in a position where you feel comfortable to educate someone on it because sometimes people don't realize mm. that they're doing yeah, and that's one thing I especially now that I'm older. Self-aware. That no, they're not. And I was luckily enough to be in a few positions where I could actually educate someone, and they actually said, "Oh, actually, I didn't really realise that was that kind of way." I'm, I'm I'm sorry if I offended you. And 
that for me felt a lot better because had I kept my mouth shut, I would have probably even thought they were a bad person. And it and it wasn't that case. It was just unfortunately ignorant. Yeah, they had um, probably wrong influences around exactly. them. Exactly. Mm. So the three things, definitely report it um, and get it recorded. Um, know that it's not you, for starters, and don't make excuses for it. Mm, definitely. I think as well, there needs to be some accountability for what others hear as well. Yeah. Um, and I've been in that situation where, as I obviously told you, I've got mixed race nieces and nephew. Mm. In fact, my whole family's colourful. Yeah, I've got half brothers and sisters that are half Filipino, half British, but American. So, like, I've been, as a white person, I've been in the company of people that have said racial things just for no reason mm. and for the things that you've even said and it's just like and I felt at that point particularly having younger nieces nephews that are of color that it's my duty to actually stand up and actually say first of all you don't treat a human being like that mm. you don't know them and secondly you're disrespecting my niece and nephew by saying those things to me and I mean I won't go into too much detail as to how I flipped but I did flip because I felt that it is important and that as sort of bypassers looking in or you're in that situation mm. it's about politically correcting people mm. and saying actually that isn't okay mm. it's not okay it's not kind it's not nice and I think it's a, a very valid point and I think it's important to address things like this because unfortunately it still goes on yeah you know yeah. I found because my husband's doing a psychology degree um I don't know if you knew this you may do but I was absolutely shocked to the like core of my bones what I was reading that back when sort of slavery was a thing that the government had to compensate the owners yeah yeah what and that only finished that debt only finished recently so yeah. your generation my generation paid yeah we were still paying it It was still coming out in, in part of our taxes yeah um yeah i can't wrap my head around that and i don't think <laughs> i ever will wrap my head around that yeah and i don't know about you but then i look at how society is and how i think a lot of the time people are, are programmed to think in a certain way that you know we'll talk about that time that we weren't allowed to work a few years back mm. right I can't mention the the c word but mm. it gets flagged up that's why I don't mention it but um there was a time that the government were telling us to turn on our neighbors because mm. they broke the rules isn't that very reminiscent of what yeah. happened during the holocaust yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've been there I mean for me I went to Auschwitz as a child, I was about five, and I never forget it. Mm. It was the biggest lesson I ever had, an introductory lesson into life, seeing all of that. There was hair, bags, shoes, things that have been left completely untouched. Mm. Um, and I think whatever the background, people should see things like that. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think as well, um, making effort to do your own research and do your own education on certain things that you might not understand um 
especially if like for example you're you are someone that has um multi-ethnic people in your circle um if someone mentions something to you and you not quite understand just kind of going away on your phone and kind of researching it so you can get a better understanding because for a lot of people um, myself included there are cultural aspects to my life that I know that the general public wouldn't understand mm-hmm. um, like with me being Jamaican mm-hmm. um, and they they might take certain things and um, make it into something it's not mm-hmm. um, what sort of things would you for, uh, to give an example mm-hmm. what, what what sort of things would you Okay. I think, like, I think one of the primary examples of being Caribbean is carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, carnival, for a lot of Caribbean people, um, started off as a way, kind of mocking the owners, slave owners. Okay, um, I didn't know that. So it's yeah, interesting so um, I was doing my own kind of research because, like, again, we didn't get taught this in school. No, um, but. I know that there are certain aspects of carnival, like things like where they do put the paint on their faces mm-hmm. and things like that, which was uh, basically used to symbolise them hiding from their owners mm-hmm. and kind of breaking away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there are other certain aspects with carnival in Caribbean people that it is a cultural celebration. But I think that now a lot of people see it as a time to drink and get drunk and party and you know make a fool of themselves yeah. where it, it kind of started off in a, in a much more kind of humble way um so i think it's things little things like mm-hmm. that um where if i think you're going to participate in something just doing your own kind of research mm-hmm. so you understand it not saying don't drink and have fun mm-hmm. but if you can understand the reason for the occasion, it is so much better received mm-hmm. and also so much better celebrated. And because it is like now, I think, especially in England, it is a very much coming together of different mm-hmm. cultures. You see different floats now. You see, I know in Luton Carnival, we have floats for the NHS, we have floats for, um, different cultural backgrounds mm-hmm. we have floats for different faith backgrounds now um we have like the children making little headpieces mm-hmm. and and it's a de- generally a much more family orientated culturally concocted soup yeah it is and, it, and it's really wonderful to see mm-hmm. i mean my last flat where i used to live before i moved back to my parents i it used to pass by me and I used to be able to sit and just watch everything pass. And it was so beautiful to see because you saw the kids having fun yeah. and it was just amazing. We have carnival that runs through Stourport. Yeah. Um, although my current salon is based on the high street and I now avoid it like plague because no clients can get in and mm. people can't get out. So it, it's a not living nightmare. Yeah, but yeah. this carnival has been going on for absolute years. And before I decided to be like, no, we're shutting at 11 in the morning, <laughs> like coming early, shut at 11. But before it was just like all these floats coming around, various different things. It's so mixed up now, isn't it? Yeah. So, so, so very different. Yeah, it is. But it's nice to see how it's evolved to in- include other cultures yes. because it, it just goes to show that no one thing is completely set in stone. 
And just because something is of one culture doesn't mean that other cultures can't participate and get involved. Absolutely. And I think it's quite fascinating. Um, I think society does try to create a divide. Yeah. I think that's been pushed from further up. Um, yeah. And if people could just simply see, I mean, some of the things that I've learned from various cultures in like my, what, nearly 43 years of existence <laughs> in this planet, um, things that I've adapted, things that like I'll teach my stepchildren or my nieces or my nephews. Mm. And it's about building and learning so much more rather than staying so narrow-minded, yeah, right? a hundred percent. How was your upbringing? So obviously you had like, Caribbean parents, so to speak. Now, I've obviously, I've got an insight to things yeah. like this, right? So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what your upbringing yeah. was like. Um, what was your relationship like with your parents? Oh my God, I love them to <laughs> They are probably the most supportive people of not only myself, but my siblings as well. Like I think I've ever, ever met and had the pleasure of meeting. Um, I love my parents to bits. They I love have, that. <laughs> they have honestly... They sacrificed a lot coming to this country. It's a at, big deal. At the time that they mm -hmm. did. And now my brother is here as well. So he's just, he's, oh gosh, he's going to turn 19 next month. Wow. Um, <laughs> my little brother's grown up. Um, but um, just, and my parents as well. My, my dad is a pastor mm -hmm. and my mum is a minister. Okay. Um, and they pastor a church in Hitchin. Mm -hmm. And um, they used to pastor when they were back in Jamaica as okay. well. Um, and having both of them, both of them are teachers as well. Nice. So having both of them being in professions that they speak to people, that they teach people mm -hmm. and that they can relate to people and help and understand people, I think definitely helped me. And I think, um, as again, having both parents, mm -hmm. I am extremely fortunate to be able to have both my parents mm -hmm. alive and well. Um, and being able to live in the same home as well because I know for some people if they do have two parents sometimes one's in one place one's in another because yeah, of work to... yeah and sometimes things can get hard but because I was very fortunate enough to have both of them in the same house and um, both of them working um, in professions that was very people focused mm -hmm. um, I was able to receive all of that and be able to I think learn things that I think probably had they not been teachers mm -hmm. or had they not been pastors, I wouldn't have been able to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and they encouraged me to, again, do my own research with a lot of things in life, including my own faith. So I am a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, I was rebaptized and um, older. So I did, did, you know, your christening yeah. baptism. And then I did my um, baptism when I was, oh gosh, I think I was there. 13 maybe 13 14 mm -hmm. um like to reaffirm my faith and I think that having that kind of upbringing as well for a person like me um was definitely something that gave me something to hold on to purpose something and hope. To, exactly mm -hmm. purpose and hope and just um to know that there is more out there mm -hmm. in the world um and to also understand that I'm not alone I'm never alone, no matter how things can get, no matter what kind of hardships I come across or face, that I am never alone, um, that Jesus is always with me. And for me, I definitely think that that has definitely helped me mm -hmm. to 
get to where I am because had it not like really and truly had it not been for God I I would not be alive mm. right now and I'm, I can say that as a fact and from experiencing things when I was younger um and struggling with my mental health and things like that and getting to a really 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 dark place at one point where I genuinely didn't see how I was going to come out of it I didn't see me breathing the next day um being able to trust that God has got my back has definitely definitely helped and without my parents I would not have experienced that so early on in my mm. life so that's, yeah that's really beautiful to hear because I think like just touching back on some of the things that you said about it's not me it's the other people they're the one with the issue they're the ones with the problem and I completely get you although I've not I've experienced like the sort of uh, cultural mm. racism if you like but I think it goes for the same similar things when people are discriminate discriminate oh my god where's my word <laughs> discriminate against people's appearance mm. like I've had that I've had that over the years where you know people have said some really horrible nasty things about things the way that I look things that I might have done sort of aesthetically you know all of that and you get to a point where it gets you it hurts you it upsets you mm. and you just think well what's the point of being here mm. And then it's like, I don't know if it's like this for you, but it's like a, a light switch where you have a moment of clarity at which whatever's guiding you, whether it's God or your, your, your beliefs, your values, whatever, you get to a point where you think, I get it now. Hmm. It's not me. That issue sits with them because these people actually have a problem with themselves. They don't like themselves. They don't love themselves. And they haven't got people guiding them. My mum always says hurting people hurt people and I think especially for me um, understanding that um, and because I understand that I, I made it like a real big effort on my part mm -hmm. to not also then continue to hurt others mm -hmm. because I was hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and that's important. Yeah, because I know what it feels like. And it's a lot nice to be on the receiving end of any kind of hurt or any kind of thing said or done to you. It is not a nice feeling. So I, because I know that and because I can also understand that, yeah, I might want to take my anger out on someone or something, mm -hmm. I can't resort to hurting other people due to the pain that I've been caused. Mm -hmm. Um, and that that's important because that's when history repeats itself. Exactly. Anger with anger doesn't always work. No. And sometimes you've got to sit back, assess. And I think that comes from being self-aware. And yeah. because you're self-aware, you're able to reflect and understand actually that if I put that out, I'm going to get more of that back. And mm. it just ends up a vicious circle. And mm ultimately there can't be no change without change right so you've got to do things that are a little bit different exactly yeah but you know I know it's it's quite a sensitive subject all of this that we've been talking about and I actually appreciate you opening up about that because yeah. I personally think that that is an important subject to talk about because it's important for other people to see how their actions and words can affect another person mm. And I've had, again, just going back to situation similar with the discrimination against appearance. And I've had 
where a news article went out uh, and a load of men comment on the back of a BBC article saying all these horrible things. I was at a point in my life where I understand now it's your issue. It's not my problem. Mm. You know, what you see, what you feel, those are your thoughts and feelings. They're Mm. not mine and everybody else's. And, um, but the example I wanted to set at that point was, you know what? Someone could come along that could be weaker than I am. And people take their own life over less. Mm. So I called them out on it. And I'd done my research. I looked at these profiles. I looked at these men that they had wives, daughters, nieces, daughters, Mm. stuff like that, and granddaughters. And I actually said to this one bloke, I said, imagine if someone came along and said these horrible things to your daughter or your niece. And as a result of that, they took their own life. How would you feel if that happened to you? Do you know what he responded with? Oh, grow up. No, babe, you need to grow up. Mm -hmm. And that's how I dealt with him. And uh, I followed it on with calling them all out in that I'm not arguing with them. I'm simply saying, you think Mm -hmm. you know what women want and that women should be this, women should be that. Actually, women do things because of other women. They don't do it because they're trying to impress a man. But I tell you now, you, you come and sit in my shop for a whole, shift and then you tell me at the end what you think women want and what they do and why they do it Mm. and I said but I can guarantee not one of you will come and they never did Mm. and that's the thing isn't it with people they don't back themselves up with what it is that they're saying and yeah I think it's 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 important to address that here so going into kind of thinking about work side of things right so we went to school. We then went on to college or uni. I, I did or sixth form. Sixth form, right. Okay. And then I went to uni. Um, I started off um, at Northampton mm-hmm. doing business entrepreneurship. Loved my marketing modules. Love it. Um, but did hit a rough patch in my mental health. Okay. And what happened? Just I wasn't attending my lectures. I think moving away from home for the first time it's a lot like, isn't it yeah like living by myself and I wasn't really by myself because I was in one of the houses on the campus that was like 12 of us in a house mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in a house whoa um that you, dried me puffy yeah I've kitchen a, big mess cleaning, yeah yeah <laughs> um and I but I I knew that I loved my marketing modules and I loved my marketing teachers okay. Um, decided that it would be best if I moved back home um, and I decided to go to uni, University of Bedfordshire, but the Luton campus mm-hmm. and switch to a more marketing focused degree. So I started doing my Bachelor of Science in Business and Business with Marketing mm-hmm. um, and I did like it. I really did like it, but obviously pandemic and things yeah. like that. Um, so things shifted online. Mm-hmm. And I didn't cope with it very well. Yeah, um, imagine was quite people. hard. Yeah, it was re- it was really hard. I'm not gonna lie and say like, oh yeah, it was lovely having my lectures online. Didn't have to go into school. Like, yeah, that was great. But really and truly, it was tough. Um, it was really hard, and especially the self motivating side of it. It was really tough. Um, and especially because you couldn't see people, you could 
be around people, not interact, you know, interact with anything. Mm-hmm. It was it was incredibly difficult, and because it was very new for a lot of universities, having so much online at one time, systems crashed. Yeah, of course. And, and of course. it was very, it became very difficult. Um, and it actually came to the point where, um, I was accidentally withdrawn from my studies because of the crash. Um, I had to appeal and get myself back reinstated and things like that, and that went through no problem um but then when we came back now after everything and was integrating back into kind of normal life again um it was it was hard Mm. and then um after a while I I think I decided like hey I don't think that uni completing uni right now is for me with the way that things are going Mm. I'm I'm struggling too much and at this point I had left my job at the airport and was working um in a salon I was hired as a nail tech at this point so um I kind of said okay I like I really really like this let me focus on this for now and if it really doesn't work out for me I'll finish my year of mm-hmm. uni and go from there mm-hmm. I spoke with my parents about it and they were extremely supportive they said as long as you have a plan we'll support you and that's good that's good that they they yeah. did that because some parents especially in your that culture mm. can be like no you will finish it yeah it's good that they were understanding with yeah. you and I think I was quite scared to tell them that because as well they're both teachers they both did their yeah, education I was say. so you know um I was very um scared of that but they were extremely supportive I had nothing to be scared of mm-hmm. um, and did that so was able to then focus on nails um, so how did we get into nails? Where did yeah. the love for nails come from? Um, really and truly, being at school, a little bit naughty of me, I would wear press-ons. <laughs> um, I would I would get press-ons <laughs> from Primark and I would paint them myself. And I would put them on and, you know, and then I'd get told off and like, oh, it's press-ons, so I just pop them off. Um, yeah. So that's what I did. Um, and then I had a few friends that really liked the designs that I did. So um, they were like, oh, like, could you do some for me? And I was like, yeah, just give me a pound and I'll do it. And a hustler in you. <laughs> well, yeah, I love that. So I was doing press on nails for a pound. And I'm like a crazy person. Um, but then, yeah, and then it got to a point where I was old enough to start getting my nails done. And it got to a point where I would get my nails done and go home and redo them myself because oh, really? I hate the shape. Okay. Um, and is that because you feel like they didn't listen to what it is that you wanted yeah. done? Right. Yeah. They didn't listen to me. And then on top of that as well, I don't think because I was going to like these kind of non-standard salons mm-hmm. where it was like in and out, in and out. No one was trained to it's do like nails. A belt. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was very much like they didn't really have the time mm-hmm. to take kind of care with it and um my mom was like you keep doing this like you're coming home and you're filing and filing away and like what what do you want and I was like I don't really know so I kind of researched it and was like oh I can like do become a nail tech I thought I had to like go to college mm-hmm. completely for mm-hmm. that I didn't realize that you could do courses one-on-one and pay mm-hmm. for courses so I spoke to my mum and dad about it and I said, listen, I really want to do this. Can I, can I borrow some money and, mm-hmm. and do this? Um, they said, yeah, we'll, we'll support it. And um, my dad, bless him, he bought me one of those little um, kits on Amazon. 
um like the little acrylic trial yeah kits. yeah the little um and um got that did my training mm-hmm. absolutely loved it and I actually found that I was quite a natural at it and that's something that my tutor actually said so it was um day one we did like all my contraindications and what mm-hmm. have you plus manicure and pedicure um just understand manicure and pedicure mm-hmm. and then we went on to do uh, acrylic mm-hmm. another day and then um another date was uv gel extensions right um so after doing that and i was 18 at the time i was like i love this like <laughs> this is so me um and then did that and absolutely loved it and then i got scared because i'm a bit of a syndrome yeah (laughs) yeah i'm a little bit of perfectionist and i know that and it was very much like oh my goodness people aren't gonna pay me to do their nails and that kind of thing so kind of didn't really do much with it until i first went to uni Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was just like a few of my flatmates that was like get their nails done. I was like building up your confidence. Yeah, building up confidence, getting pictures and seeing what I can improve mm-hmm. and things like that. And then kind of completely stopped nails for a few years. And um, when I came, when I come back to Luton at this point, I was like, you know what? I've done. The, I've paid to do this mm-hmm. training, and I've been told that I'm a natural at it. Mm-hmm. Let me work at it and see what I can do with this because I think it would be a bit of a waste if I didn't um so I kind of set up in my little flat and um I managed to find a space to rent from so I was renting from this lovely lady and um she was really supportive of me I didn't have clients at the time Mm -hmm. it was like the one and two clients yeah for the week basically um and kind of building somewhere right exactly um, and she would charge me for the day that was there rather than the whole week because mm-hmm. she knew I was new. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, she had to close down her salon because at this point it was just after lockdown and mm-hmm. um, her landlord wouldn't have raised her rent and it mm-hmm. just became unfeasible for her. So she did end up closing down her salon, which is why I kind of looked for a hired position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself working in a salon um, in Luton. Mm-hmm. Um, and the owner was extremely supportive of me. Um, and after a year, um, I said to her, like, obviously, she's not a nail tech and she's told me this before. And I said, there are certain things that I kind of want to be able to implement and do without having to, like, go through you and things like that because she's busy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's that. extremely busy um so she said what would work best and I said listen I think I want to be self-employed mm-hmm. here and she said yeah we can work through that I can give you like rates for like daily rent and mm-hmm. weekly rent and we go from there and then that's what I did mm-hmm. um and built up my clientele and built up my confidence and then from that November in 2022 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I was invited so this was just before I became self-employed yes I was invited to a bridal shoot oh um and that was in Bath okay I trekked all the way to Bath Bath is a mission yeah from Luton yeah (laughs) I trekked all the way to Bath um and did that my first experience of uh, like a shoot like Mm -hmm. a a photo shoot and um the photographer there that invited me her name was Pippa shout out to Pippa 
um, to Pippa. <laughs> she, um, I was, we were talking when we went to um, the restaurant at the end, and I said, like, I want to get my career to a point where I can work things like Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I remember, I said to her, I want to see, like, in the next five years, I want that to be like my life. Mm-hmm. And she saw a. Um, advert advertising for a manicurist assistant for fashion week the january so this was two months later um and at this point in that january i'd become Mm self-employed and she sent it to me i messaged the lady and i said hey i don't actually have much experience but like i would love to do this and i sent her some evidence of my work and Mm -hmm. uh, kim tracy shout out to you um (laughs) and she said, yeah, come on board. And I wow. worked my very first fashion week and three was months that? later. It was, was amazing. Um, it was um, the Wee Zhang um, show, uh-huh. Chinese designer. Um, it was at the Londoner. Uh-huh. Um, beautiful hotel. Beautiful, beautiful hotel. And it was, I was kind of, everyone kind of had this kind of notion of like models being snobby and snooty. Yeah, and it's what you kind of hear, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Mm. none none of that none of that interesting extremely kind extremely sweet and thoughtful especially because as a nail tech you are tend to be working around the hair and makeup mm-hmm. artists a lot of the time you're on the floor mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and it was like think little things like they would say like are you okay oh, do you need me to move like oh. do you want me to change my angle like it was just little things that, that they made did. your life and i was easier. like okay maybe I could do this maybe I could do this and then from there I did um, another bridal shoot it was actually one of the um, models for the first one Um, and she's a photographer by trade Um, so did another bridal shoot with her and her husband I was invited down went to Swindon did that and that one actually got featured in a bridal magazine and that was my first feature and I was like oh my goodness and her name is Grace and I bet you were buzzing after that I was elated I was running up and down my house like a crazy person oh I do do exactly the same thing um I get it I screamed I shamed my mum I shamed my dad and (laughs) I put it in my family group chat like I was I was ecstatic and um from there um it's kind of been from strength to strength now because I had that experience Mm -hmm. Um, it was other things so um, I got invited down um, by a stylist to assist um, on a a shoot and that got featured in a high fashion magazine Um, and then from there I because I had the experience of that shoot I actually Mm -hmm. got invited down um, and asked to assist a lady on a shoot for Vogue. Wow that's incredible. (laughs) And this was all last year, mind you. This is all in 2023. Wow, 2023 has been it. Yeah, it was definitely the year that I saw my career shape itself into what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, so I did the shoot with Vogue, absolutely loved it. And it was, I didn't realise at the time, but it was a very big campaign mm-hmm. for Vogue. So it was their Goodbye Vogue campaign. Right. So because they're moving premises, so there was people like Naomi Campbell involved there Shakira was involved at one point um she wasn't there the day that I was there which is sad but oh, um you know like oh my goodness I don't I don't remember her name now but um the lady is it Simone um she was in Bridgerton oh, the second season yeah. yeah um and she was there um 
like so I got to do oh my goodness so the photo that's on my Instagram at the moment is mm-hmm. actually um from that campaign and it was I did the nails for Kim Jones OBE oh who Ooh, is the uh, love that um he's the artistic director of Dior and also the artistic director of um Fendi Women's Wear Amazing. Um, I did his nails. I did Jonathan Anderson's nails of JW Anderson, the fashion brand. Wow. Um, Penelope Tree, model extraordinaire. Jordan Dunn. Um, I did her nail. Like, this is the personal people that I've uh-huh. done now. And I was like, what? Jean Campbell. I love you, Jean. Um, and even like things like that, like being able to speak with people like mm-hmm. that. And genuinely, they are all so lovely. Like, Niaga, she's an amazing model, um, beautiful, beautiful girl. Um, Victoria, and think like I just didn't think that this could be like anything. I, I just thought nails, you know, like doing nails, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then from that campaign and um, being able to work on other campaign shoots for Vogue that haven't come out yet. Um, and from then I worked London Fashion Week again, and did four shoots so that was just September gone and then I got invited to Paris Fashion Week and I worked my work brought me abroad and it was just it was what was that like oh my goodness it was was, that surreal like it was so surreal am I even here yes literally because um I worked under a wonderful lady the first show named Dawn Sterling Uh beautiful beautiful woman and an amazing nail tech um she's based in new york she was the one that had messaged me and had asked and i knew a few of my friends that i'd met in the industry wanted to go and i said like Mm -hmm. hey they're working too we all went together Mm -hmm. and we stayed together and it was beautiful and um i saw so usher was there he walked past and we could see him walking past and everyone was screaming in the in the streets of paris and trying to get photos of him and it was like the most surreal thing ever. I, I had a similar experience with 50 Cent. Oh, yeah. You, you couldn't even write it. So my dad trains boxers oh, yeah. at Mayweather's gym and um, in Vegas. That's where all my siblings live. And literally, um, whilst I was away that day, there was a, an encounter with 50. And I'm oh, like, like that. it's 50, it's 50, it's 50. And I'm like, just. Yeah, exactly. How do, you sell, how, how do you even stay cool? It's hard. It's like I was shaking like a knife. Like it was, um, it was unbelievable. And then when I worked Fashion Week in London, um, I worked Burberry show um, under Emma Quichet, um, another beautiful nail tech as well. Um, and um, I remember we were watching on the screen because they film all the mm-hmm. like the celebs coming through. And Kylie Minogue was there, and I just thought she's. Li- I'm in the tent. She's literally down there, but she's walking past. Um, like she saw my work. That's so weird. Like what? Um, and, and another amazing nail tech I worked under uh, for the Mew Mew show. Uh-huh. Um, Sylvie, Sylvie, uh-huh. um, another beautiful nail tech, and um, I remember I was working the Mew Mew show, and I was sat. And someone was like, oh, my gosh, Gigi smiled at you. And I was like, who's Gigi? I'm thinking, Gigi, what? I was like, like, okay, I smiled, like, cool. They meant Gigi Hadid. I had just got smiled at by Gigi Hadid. 
I said, what? I didn't even know she was here. Um, and then as me and my friend Rosie were walking out of the show, this was the Mimi show in Paris. As we were walking out of the show, Gigi and her entourage were there and they were getting packed. So me and my friend ran the other way to try not get in the fight. Oh my goodness. And I just thought, and I literally, I remember I was, we, me and Rosie were sat back on the train and we both looked at each other and thought, what is our life? Actually, what is our life? Um, but it's been an amazing experience so far and I'm so excited for things to come. Got things planned up to this year. Um, looking at going, I'm actually heading to Italy this year for Milan Fashion Week. Oh my God. Um, and hopefully everything works out for that. Looking at again going back to Paris for Fashion Week again, and that will be next month. So, yeah, Fashion Weeks are coming up this month, and um, it was going to be an exciting experience, I think. Okay. And um, hopefully, fingers crossed, if things work out this month, um, I'll be working my very first show as lead. Um, I'm excited. Oh, that's going to be amazing. I'm hoping that things work out. Um, I've actually got speaking engagement um mm. next month as well yeah. beauty and wellness expo um and i'm i'm just one i'm amazed at how far things have come in terms of me being a nail tech i di- i genuinely didn't realize that these things were so like possible mm-hmm. first for starters um and that they have i've been able to be put myself in positions and accept opportunities and work for opportunities that have enabled me to get to this position Mm -hmm. I didn't think I would get to this position so quickly in my career and I'm very grateful for that because I know that with certain things it does it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of work it's not easy it really does um and I'm very grateful for the fact that um other people can see my potential Mm -hmm. because without that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be nowhere near as far as I am in my career it's difficult isn't it um what would you say would be the key attributes to for someone who's going to be an inspiring nail tech <laughs> and they've listened to this podcast yeah. and they're like oh my god wow I can take nail tech in is that even a word nail tech in it's, it's a <laughs> word today nail tech in is here to stay um if they were looking in what key attributes and advice would you give to someone starting up for following their dream? Um, definitely one, believe in yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, no one else can invest their time or money into you. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, work hard on your craft, perfect your skills. Um, it's not easy and it does take time. Um, so appreciate that and give yourself time mm-hmm. to get there mm-hmm. and three speak to people reach out to people you know um a lot of the things that i've been able to do thank god that within the past year has purely been because people have resonated with me as a person mm-hmm. um and also they recognize the skill that i have Whereas sometimes I wouldn't even rec- be able to recognize the skill that I have. Um, so understand that when you get there and when you are able to do things, people will invest their time and money mm-hmm. into you. Um, but if you don't believe in yourself from the get-go, it, you you can't get anywhere with it. True story. Mm. And it does start with 
that core belief, that mindset and the, the values and how you put yourself out there. Mm. And I would genuinely believe from just spending this little time with you today is that your character has got you where you, you're getting yourself because you, you, you're a kind, nice human. And I think that when you're nice and kind, opportunity always mm. comes. If you're malice, if you're horrible, you're unkind, it does not come. Mm. Uh, and I guess touching on that, have you en- experienced any sort of like, because we're in this industry, yeah. hair, beauty, aesthetics, whatever the case may be, it can be quite a vile industry. It can be, yeah. What's been your experience of that? Um, I think in the beauty industry in general, I think especially where I'm based, there are a million and one nail techs mm-hmm. around me um, and amazing at what they do as well. So I think, especially with me starting out and me having moved into my studio space trying to build up my uh, my um clientele again my my private clients mm-hmm. again um was definitely the support of other people mm-hmm. um other industry whether it's nail text whether it's um lash text like brow technicians like the support that i've received from people who i haven't even always met like mm-hmm. through online mm-hmm. has been absolutely immense and absolutely amazing but i do also understand that there can be some quite cattiness within the beauty industry as well fortunately for me i haven't really experienced that but i do know people in the industry who i myself am trying to not associate myself with Mm. because of things like i've had clients come to me and tell me about specific nail tech that they just don't get along with they think that she's a mean person Mm. um and because of that they don't go to her anymore um and it's things like that where I kind of again take in myself and go "Mm, right if the clients are picking up on certain things they pick up on the positive as well Mm -hmm. if I can change their experience into into something positive I'm gonna do that yeah and understanding that there are people in the industry that unfortunately are not kind people and sometimes only do care about mm-hmm. money because we've all seen it yeah it's um, out there. understanding how to navigate them and understanding how to dissociate yourself from that mm-hmm. is gonna be paramount don't get caught up in this kind of catty kind mm-hmm. of almost bitchiness yeah that the industry can can want to throw at you if you are a type of person that understands and relates to people well do that Mm. because that is going to be your saving grace in this industry and it will actually deflect Mm. the negativity away from you i think i agree with you it's important because i think sometimes if you focus too much on um other people which a lot of the time when people are mean they are unkind is because they're focusing Mm. all of their time all of their energy and some of them don't even realize they're doing it it's become a habit and they distract and deflect from what it is they're supposed to be doing but you're quite right clients do and have picked up on things like that and I've certainly seen that over the years I mean I sit in hair beauty um, aesthetic semi-permanent so I've seen across the whole spectrum Mm -hmm. and I sit back and I watch and I I do tend to keep myself a little bit more to myself. You start at this glorious age learning the um, 
about the types of people you want to be around mm. and you're listening to how people are talking and how people behave and I think it's really important to kind of for me personally about empowering women mm. and I think it's really important and it kind of brings me on to the whole female boss awards and what that stands for yeah. because you're also a judge aren't you yeah, yeah. and you're judging um nail tech of the year nail technician yeah. of the year yeah. i think yeah amazing how did that come about for you um oh my goodness that was i i kind of messaged and was like oh my goodness what's this like about <laughs> um and then was invited to be a judge and i was like okay cool yay this is something else i could do um but so this is something that's a little bit different for you, right? Yeah, I, I've never judged in awards before. I mean, I've participated in multiple awards yes. now um, and won quite a few of them, but um, I've never been a judge. And then when I saw, like you said, like the whole ethos of this particular um, competition in terms of the female empowerment, in terms of the sisterhood, in terms of like supporting others and helping others to achieve things that they probably wouldn't have thought they could achieve I just thought I like this I want to be a part of this and it, again it comes back to this thing of um being a kind person I think sometimes I might be too kind for my own good mm -hmm. and understanding when not to be taken advantage of mm -hmm. and things like that as you evolve as a human being as a woman those things come like when I look back I used to be so shy as mm. a kid really shy but I was very comfortable really weird I was like I was able to jump in and out of um the cool kids the geeks uh, and the weird yeah kids. I think I'm a bit like that as well just um being able to get along with like different Adapt. groups of people yeah. yeah it's important and I think like as you get older you you start to have different relationships experiences and different things mold you and so such a different way that you then can see things very very differently I think and I think it's it's important I think people working together is so much more powerful I mean for me I don't know well I probably could speak for you right now it does not resonate with me about people battling and working against each other yeah I think it's so there's so much power in working together hmm. because opportunities will come through people um, through just having a chat yeah and you know a, an opportunity mm. will present itself and it's it's a shame that not everybody has that and I find sometimes people will say that they're like that but they're not mm. the core to them is just telling people what they want want to hear yeah and that's the thing I think I liked about the female boss awards was that um from my own experiences was about being challenged or actually tell us about you mm. what are you about yeah what what was you what are you good at what have you suffered what 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 traumas do you know what I mean and I, yeah and obviously I've been like you been to various different awards shows um I've judged before um and I've won also before so you, you get to kind of experience things from mm. a different perspective um but just touching on the awards side what was it like to win your oh, first God. ever award because I know how I felt and like I could like threw myself in the air and do a happy dance like, yeah how did it make you feel what was it like um, winning that first award my uh, when I won my first award it was actually a live award 
um, where I had to um, like do nails live, mm-hmm. um, and it was through uh, the brand Glitterbells. It was actually at their Hemafree launch party, and I, in myself, I was so mad at myself because I genuinely thought I did a really, really bad job. Um, knowing what I can do, and obviously. Mm-hmm time constraints and things like that my gel just was not cooperating with me that day um i have that with lash glue at times yeah and it just wasn't and my sister was my model and bless her heart she really tried to calm me down because i was freaking out i will not lie and i mean um, perfectionist as well yeah doubles it it really it really was and I just, I remember I left the hoard and I, I even said to my sister, don't take a picture of those nails. I, I, I was mad. Um, <laughs> and then when we went down for the awards and they said third place and then the girl got third place and I thought, okay, yeah, no, I haven't placed. And I, cause I thought, no. Um, and they said second place and I was like, my sister was filming at the time and I actually told her to stop filming. You can hear me in the video say stop filming. This. And then they said first place, Jane L. Grant. And I I jumped out my seat so far and ran to that school. I, I I was shaking. I was I was I don't even know what I was doing. Um I, I hugged all the um the judges and stuff. I was shake I come down and it was like a glass yeah, trophy. Yeah. It was quite heavy. Yeah. And I was shaking. It's the same with me. I had to give it to my sister because I thought I was gonna drop it. I was yeah. shaking that much. Did did you sleep with your trophy? I did. I should have. I, I should I, did. I didn't. I did have it by my um like I have a like, little dresser and it was like facing me. Facing you. I put mine to bed with me, the covers went over and there I went. Yeah. Uh, but I can resonate with that because when I won my first one, it was such a big deal. It was like a, a personal thing with yeah. me. And um, I remember going and you, sometimes you just have like a feeling and you can't work it out. Mm. But it was like a nervous feeling. Yeah. And I, and I, I mean, I can feel that now just in my hands, that feeling, just going back to that moment and being sat at that table. And they were calling out the winners for the category that I was up for, which was the Excellence Award. Um, and I was like, there was two presenters on stage. And the one presenter was about to announce and then got distracted by the other presenter and stopped. And she went, ah. And then turned to him. And then I coughed. Oh, that's my name. They call him my name. Was that, ah, ah. And I'm like, and then I'm shaking. I feel myself shaking. And then they went, G Monroe. And I was like, got up. I picked up my girl that was with me who works for me, Els, because she's been through every part of the journey oh, with great. me. And I dragged her up and we ran like you, <laughs> running like an idiot in this dress. And then um, this guy stopped me and says, uh, why are you going up with another person? I went, because she's my girl. She's my team member. We did this together. Mm. Simple. Mm. Simple as that. So it was a. Very oh. interesting moment to say the least. Yeah, I I, I think I, as well. I would say to nail techs, especially if you're a new nail tech, um, and um, you're wanting to improve, entering awards, um, research them first, mm-hmm. um, and enter awards that give you feedback because that is the way that you can look at it from a different perspective you get a different set of eyes on your work because mm. for a lot of nail techs especially 
they only know client work they don't really do um other other things with it because mm -hmm. of how big the industry is so having that perspective from a judge's point of view um and being able to annotate and mm -hmm. know okay i can improve on this and this how do i do that um will definitely help you in terms of your work in the long term and don't be afraid because i was very afraid mm -hmm. to apply for awards i literally only started applying for awards last year oh wow so this was all this was all Your in views. all yeah. in the last year so but i wish i had done it earlier mm -hmm. now that i've done it now i wish i would have done it earlier in my career because it would have given me the tools that i needed to get better faster mm -hmm. So I would you. say to anyone, whether you're a nail tech, you're a hairdresser, you're an aesthetic nurse, wherever it is in the mm -hmm. beauty industry, if you are wanting to, and you're really wanting to improve your work and do it for yourself, enter awards, especially awards that give back feedback, because that is going to be the way that you um, address issues in your work that you, you might not have yeah. yeah, you might mm -hmm. not have seen. It's how you develop, it's how you improve, it's how you are able to better yourself mm -hmm. for not only yourself but for your clients mm -hmm. as well and your clients will notice the difference and that's important I think that is an absolute amazing bit of advice that you've given there for someone that's so young <laughs> as you are and the fact that you've still got so much more to give um you seem a lot older for your years <laughs> oh my Old gosh soul. I remember when I did NCS, everyone called me Jamaican grandma. They called me their Jamaican grandma because I was very much, I, I feel like I am an old person at heart. <laughs> My girl who works for me, she's about to turn 18, Els. I call her grandma too. <laughs> she has no interest in going out. In fact, if ever she goes out, it's like twice a year and it's usually with me. <laughs> and that's it. But I call her grandma too. <laughs> so what is the long-term goal for you so when you look out into the wide world what do you see your future as where are you going to be what is your prediction yeah. for you um I would 110% love to be an educator I am currently doing my educators course right now fantastic um, we have an exclusive here for anyone yeah. that's interesting um and hopefully by the um end of this year everything will be completely up and running and set up the way I imagine it in my head uh -huh. um um, I would love to be an educator, not just to teach people how to do nails, but also um, to encompass on things like social media, things like business, things yeah. like tax, things like personal finance, because I have really struggled with my yeah, personal finance. All of the things that people don't tell yeah. you. People don't share that information. No. Hard. And I want to be able to offer that to people mm -hmm. in a way that is digestible to them. Yeah. Um, probably the teacher side of me coming out my mum and dad now yeah. but um, um and I definitely would love to continue session work because uh -huh. I know that in the very very long term I won't be able to do it as often as I would like because I do want to have kids one yes, day I um that. and when you do have kids you do have to make certain sacrifices you're mm -hmm. not able to travel as much so me flying abroad to mm -hmm. do nails won't happen as often so I'd like to continue doing that as long as possible mm -hmm. um and just be able to be someone in this industry that is a is able to empower others to mm -hmm. do the same because one thing that I've found extremely helpful is different people being able to almost become a mentor mm -hmm. to me 
And I would love to be able to do that for other people, even if I can just help one person. If it's just one person, I'll, I'm really happy with that. And that one person, you can make such a massive difference yeah. to. Yeah. And um, I think as well, in terms of for myself, being able to be in a place where I can sit back and look at my work and say, like, I did that. Mm -hmm. I succeeded in that. I was able to create something for myself that not only I was passionate about, mm -hmm. but also paid my bills, mm -hmm. you know? Um, not everyone in this world is able to have something that they're passionate mm -hmm. about that is also their income earner. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love for it to continue and for me to be able to be in a place where I don't get tired of doing nails. Um, yeah. It's so important to love what it is that you do. Yeah. And you can really tell that you absolutely adore what it is that you do. And you will be such an inspiration to others. I could just see it. Like you go into all these speaking events over the coming years. <laughs> And speaking about your successes and um, being so well-spoken and so articulate, I think you'll do really well in sort of that sort of empowerment side mm, as well. Thank so you. Yeah. Having those different sides. So definitely, definitely pursue that side because I think you'd be very good at it. Mm, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time to come here. This girl's come all the way from Luton mm. on the train all by herself like it's massive it's a massive deal so I do appreciate you coming thank you for having me it's it's, it's, it's an absolute pleasure and your your story has been absolutely fascinating to me and very touching as well as I'm sure it will be to other people um before we wrap up and go on to the question that the last guest wants to ask you uh, just tell everybody where they can find you so Again, just go over full name, business name, Instagram handle and anywhere else they can find you. Yeah, so my name is Jane L. Grant. Um, my business is Granted Beauty. So G-R-A-N-T apostrophe D beauty. <laughs> um, and my Instagram handle is at G-R-A-N-T D dot beauty. Um, I am based out of the AA uh, Brows and Beauty Salon in Luton on Dunstable Road. Um, and what was the other thing you said? Could they find you anywhere else? So Instagram, do you have oh, Facebook? Yeah. Instagram, LinkedIn. Facebook. Um, my LinkedIn is my just my name, Jane L. Grant. Um, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok are all the same um, username as my Instagram that I've said. Um, and yeah, hopefully you'll see me in other things soon. Absolutely. Right, let's get on to this question. So I'm going to grab my phone so that I can remember it. Where are we? Okay, so this is an action from the last person, which was Lisa J. Hair Extensions. And she said that she wants you to do something each day that you wouldn't normally do. But what would that one thing be that you wouldn't normally do that you would implement? I think, um, okay, one thing I, w I want to get better at is, like I said before, I'm a Christian, is daily reading my Bible and prayer because mm -hmm. I think because I get so busy sometimes, I do kind of push it to the side at some times. But I found that for me personally, 
when I do those things, Mm -hmm. it definitely has an impact on my day. Mm -hmm. So I would like to start my day the way I mean to go on. So definitely, I think my kind of daily devotional, reading my Bible and having a little prayer session with God would be my thing. I love that. So what question would you ask the next guest? So it can be anything, anything that you would want to ask them. Cool. This might be a bit deep, but I'm going to say it like deep. Go for it. If you could talk to your younger self specifically about your career, what one thing would you have them do first that was different? I love that. Yeah. I love that. That has so much like depth to it. <laughs> and I'm I'm excited to see what that answer would be. Mm. So yeah, okay, yeah. dope. Well, listen, thank you again for coming on to the Angie Monroe podcast. And I absolutely appreciate the time that you've taken to come. Um, And I'm excited to put all of this together. So thank you guys for listening. Please don't forget to like and subscribe, because if you like and subscribe, it really does help us out. But appreciate everybody that takes the time to listen. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs)